Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything. So have you been celebrating our May snowstorm by making some snow bases for Frostgrave? Uh, I will be. You know, just seeing it kind of cheered me up and it reminds me that we live in uh, Canada. In our, in our winter wonderland yeah. in late yeah. spring, of course. Yep. Even even with climate change, apparently the the what do you call it the, the variability that climate change creates. Apparently, it just makes instead of saying there's no snow, there's just now snow in May. Yep. And there's so, summer in the middle of December. Yep. Yeah, so so there you go. Those those snow covered bases are good for all year round. Yeah. As long as you're playing your game in Canada. Yeah. Well, in a climate in a climate changed world, <laughs> where where, where climate variability is like shooting through the roof. Where you've got nuclear winters. Uh-huh. So I guess our topic for this week, we wanted to like go back and forth on our thoughts and like get some ideas out there that we found are good things to do with bases. Yep. So every single model that you have uh, needs a base, whether it's, you know, like just to play games so that they actually stand up and don't fall over. Or even right. if you have a diorama, they still will fall over unless you have a base. <laughs> That's real. So, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of base, like a lot of games even need it just for like mechanics, for putting arcs of fire on, everything else like that. And, you know, you want to make it look good, whichever way you're, you're going with. Yeah, like almost every single model you paint, you're also, you also have a base for it. So it's, a, it's one of those things that I think uh, a lot of people, including me, <laughs> neglect, <laughs> where, where we're just like, uh, you know, I, I care about the model and I don't care about the, the base that much. But uh, when I didn't care about the base, it really does detract from the the look of the model, not only like just standing there on your shelf, but also on the on the tabletop. Yeah, like I try to go into my armies with some sort of plan of what the base is going to look like or often just like build the base and build the model at the same time. Because when you get more ornate models that have like rocks and all that, they need to fit onto the base. Yeah. And I found originally when I started like doing war games, I would put the model on the base and then, you know, Mm -hmm. just add a bunch of sand texture to it, which Mm -hmm. once you've done that for a while, you realize you've now buried the guy's feet in sand. So maybe you need to like, yeah. So maybe you need to take a bit more like pre-planning to get this whole thing going. Yeah. So, uh, or we can talk about a technique to not bury their, their feet in sand, which is not exactly what happens, but like, I still do that because I'm lazy. Uh, But yeah, we can talk about that later. So like, I guess just in general, I I know a lot of, like, like I was saying, a lot of miniature gamers, they, like, you know, you just rush it at at the beginning. Um, But why do you think, yeah. So what do you think even like spending the time basing adds to the model and why is it so important? Okay. That probably is the best place to start. Like the base is where you really set the environment for where the figure is standing. So mm-hmm. like say you have Frostgrave and everybody's supposed to in the winter wonderland. You want like to, to show that you want a bit of snow there. You want maybe, maybe if they're not on the snow, they're on like dead tundra. And then there's, mm-hmm. if they're in Frostgrave, there's some ruins, like bits of rock lying around, old like ornate bits of like carved columns have fallen. Just so even if somebody who looks at that model, who doesn't know you're playing in Frostgrave, looks at it, like, hey, I know this guy's like in some Snowden ruined city. 
So you're telling, like, you're telling a story of who all your models are, and the base really helps to do that. Okay. That, that definitely, I, I, I definitely agree with. It's like, when, when, I, I don't know, when I, I think about it, it's like the difference between concept art, where it's just the person sitting in the middle of uh, nowhere land, like no space, no background, and yeah. something that's a little bit more finished where you, you set the tone where, where they have a background, a little bit of, you know, let's say tufts of trees or maybe, maybe um, uh, grass or a path that helps set the tone for the model and where they are in that world. Right. Yeah. And I think it really just, just a little bit of that really helps sell uh, the piece in art. And again, anything that works in art, you know, miniatures, mm-hmm. miniature painting is art except that, you know, half the artist is not us, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. usually, because we don't actually make the models, but, like, half the artist is someone else. But it's still art, right? When you go through it, you want it to be that, that kind of pleasing look. Yeah, when I talk to people about them choosing their color scheme for army, which is kind of an off-topic on this one, mm-hmm. but I usually tell them, like, think about where you want this person to be, like, where are they set? And then, like, who are they in terms of determining the color scheme? And then sort of once they've set that, they can take mm-hmm. that information, like, because the model's the first part of the whole project. Yeah. And then take that information they've worked out for the model and then bring that back to what they're doing for the base. Yeah. Yeah. The model is still the focus, right? That's, mm-hmm. and, and the base, even though it sets the tone, you don't want it to overshadow the model. So, yeah, so, so, yeah. So I've seen with a lot of really good painters that they do end up sort of overshadowing the model with their base. I think there's a few ways they can end up accidentally doing that. One, like, I think the easiest because we play a lot of grim dark games or just games that are set like really apocalyptic kind yeah, of futures apocalyptic warlike futures so the guys are all well, it kind of has to right otherwise why are why they, are they warring exactly like we're playing war games if we play in more games where it's like i don't know like just hanging out games where the game is i don't know like a euro where everyone you move your miniatures around just to uh collect supplies and all of your miniatures are office characters and some of them have red ties and some have yellow ties to differentiate whose team they're on. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly and then they go around and, and the point you try to stop the person you can't stop them directly from doing their actions but you can kind of hinder them by like here give you plus two or, or minus two staplers and you're like oh darn it where's my stapler i gotta roll for to, to get another stapler from supplies oh my god mm-hmm. i rolled badly i can't find them yes and and wearing bright colored suits in their office is just a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. But in the grim dark future, wearing bright colored power armor is less of a thing. Even GW has moved on from that in the 80s. So what? once you've got like a more... Oh no, they have lots of bright armor. They've dialed it back a little low. There's, there's Do you think fewer so? bright... They don't throw like four really bright saturated colors on the same model all at once. They'll, they'll dial a couple of the colors back and they won't okay. use as many of the colors. Okay. I find often when people paint a model like nice and grim and dark and then they'll do a base that's just totally way brighter or way more saturated than the model, you'll look at the thing and you won't even see the model. You'll see this base that's mm. so much like lighter and has so much more vibrant. It's like, okay, that needed to fit more in with your with your model's color scheme so it wasn't so it's not overwhelming it either yeah. by Yeah, like, composition matters, right? Just like any piece yeah. of art. Like you want your focus, your focal point, which is the miniature to be the focal point. And you can't have other pieces in the piece be shouting at you to look at. Right. 
yeah, you don't want to if you have a Lamborghini you don't want to draw people's attention away with bumper stickers <laughs> maybe <laughs> yes, don't do exactly. that yeah so but like, apparently also, a hot girl is good if a hot girl is like just sitting there next to the Lamborghini apparently that is you know you see that a lot of pictures Mm-hmm. For some reason apparently that's fine to draw your attention away that's fine yeah I, th- I think the idea is that it's everything desirable for <laughs> to a 20 something year old man mm-hmm. it's just or a beautiful car and a beautiful woman that's all you need yes i'm sure i don't think like i thought when i was 22 at all, totally <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah anyway so a lot of pitfalls i find people like end up with the draw away the attention from the model often are either like painting the base more saturated than the model, which like that really draws your attention away, which maybe there's like a corner case where it's okay. If the model itself is supposed to be like some sort of super, super stealth ninja and he's like, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to see him cause he's all yeah. dark. Okay. Maybe there's an excuse there, but like every other situation you want the model to stand out from the base. So you, you can also do the, base. yeah, I guess it, the idea is, you can, you can, you know, do the opposite, like you're saying, right? Where, you know, maybe your main character is desaturated, but everything else is super saturated. But the, the contrast, therefore, does, like, even though initially it'll draw to the outside, then it'll draw back in, right? Because it's different, right? And you'll still see the main focal point. You're like, oh, yeah, this is a stealth ninja. Yeah, but it's adding towards the composition that way rather than drawing away from it. Yeah. But for the most part, I find it's the safest way to go is to use like desatch, use your color scheme you put into the model, but just go with desaturated versions of everything to create the environment you want. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, it's, yeah. it's still part of the mini- miniature. So you don't want it to be like an entirely different color scheme. Otherwise it'll clash. Right. Yeah, like you look at any kind of painting or any other kind of uh, art piece or form, like, the, the grass still has to match with all of the other pieces of the art, right? Yeah, if, you've got a yellowish, if the guy's wearing like a yellowish green coat, you don't have him on like a bluish green like ocean. You try and... Well, yeah. Uh, assuming, you know, the, anytime you want to have a clashing thing, it has to be, it has to be intentional where it works yeah. with the thing. So mm-hmm. don't just like throw in whatever color because you like it. It's got to match whatever the color scheme is, right? Yeah, that's what usually works best. Yeah, um, so it, it kind of makes me think like just being able to, I guess I guess the, the color schemes and using the same kind of palette is a, it's kind of a shortcut to understanding light. Because, color yeah, in color theory. Because in the real world, right, light when it reflects off other surfaces, there's a certain amount of uh, light that comes off and it ends up tinting everything around it, right? Yeah, because the light source usually has its own tone and that tone is carried over everything. And then if there are like, uh, yeah, it's carried out through everything and then there, there are large surfaces with a certain color, the reflection of the light off those surfaces will also color the area around it, right? So, so if you've got like a, a base with a lot of green on it, uh-huh. Maybe your model should have a lot of green in the shadows just because that's sort of what, what your eye is expecting from the shadows. Or like, yeah, or, you know, as well as the contrasting colors that match with, with those colors, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and I guess there's the other thing, like, it doesn't have to be real, right? 
No, it doesn't. Right? In fact, if it's just, well, I guess there's something really cool if it's super realistic, but there's also something really cool if it just looks good and realistic does not necessarily mean looking good. Like there's a lot of oh. ugly shit in the real world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and someone could go outside with really badly matched pants and a shirt. Like that's, that's definitely a realistic possibility standing in a, in, in a background where it totally looks terrible with them, but you don't necessarily want that for your miniature. Yeah, like I went to a seminar where Sergio Calvio Rubio, like maybe two years back, he's a Spanish painter, but we were painting rocks. And he's like, yeah, if you don't want the rock to look boring and stupid, you actually just paint the rocks in a whole bunch of crazy colors and then just bring it all together with some other washes and other colors. Yeah, afterwards. desaturate the colors, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it's So it's just an undertone of color. Yep. So like I was painting rocks last week as tests mm -hmm. for my new infinity army. And I'm like, what color is the rock going to start off as? I'm like, well, what colors are in my army? Oh, okay. The rock's going to be blue. This is a blue, mm -hmm. light blue rock. And then you wash it with some browns, you dry brush it with some grays, and it just looks like a rock. Yeah. When you, when it's not yeah, like, I like, I like using purple. But my this particular army does have purple, so I, I, can't, I yeah. couldn't justify any purple in this particular project. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I've been using a lot of red, uh, a lot of like dark like maroonish red. And so throwing in purple and stuff is kind of makes things interesting. And then for the backgrounds and desaturating it. Yes, but again, but, I don't want it to, open. yep. Yeah, so with bases, like a lot of bases have rocks on them because rocks are just convenient mm -hmm. to make. Yeah. Well, apparently it's not just rocks, it's rubble. Remember, this is the grim, dark, apocalyptic feature. These used to be houses and buildings, but they've been shattered into a thousand million pieces. And they are futuristic buildings, so they can be any color, really. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but I find a lot of people will just paint their rocks or their futuristic rubble just gray, and it, it often doesn't complement the color schemes of their armies. It's kind of yeah. just, it doesn't look right in the whole composition because it just doesn't fit into the colors, and it looks yeah, too and, boring. And really, rocks aren't all just gray. Yeah, so, so, so I guess that's, that's the kind of thing, like, something that's just pure gray is unnatural. Right. So in, even though it's like a neutral tone, it can sometimes stand out because it, it just looks wrong in the piece. And therefore, even though it, it, you would think that it would just fade into the background, if it's, if it's too unnatural to the rest of the thing, it ends up actually dragging your eye because you, know, you, you notice that something is wrong there. Right. It's not like how you would see something in reality. Yeah, and in reality, rocks have a lot of tones going on in them. They aren't just sort of this monolithic thing. Yeah. Well, often, like if you paint the rock one tone, often adding tans to it to uh -huh. sort of give an extra dirtyish tone to parts of it. Mm -hmm. And then doing your wash and shadow after makes it look more natural. Just cut the tans like a default yeah. to other color that rocks often have in them. So. Yeah, I often, with my bases, I will uh, paint them basically with a very, like, like, like you said, with a palette that kind of lends itself to the rest of the piece, but like cutting out a bunch of colors. So a very limited palette. And then afterwards, like the secret to like making it not stand out so much is literally just like layer it. I often just like layer it with a, a black wash yeah, so that basically. it drags everything down, right? Because obviously it's on the ground, right? It's, it's your base. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be shadowy, it needs to be darker. So I just 
take some black and I wash everything. It seeps into the, into things I put I, uh, underneath the model, obviously, you know, if, if everything is lit from above, which almost everything is right. You, we usually paint our models to look like uh, they're in daylight. Um, then I so will shade extra and focus. Mm -hmm. uh, or you I'll just actually, the I put extra shading, no extra shading underneath like extra black wash underneath the model. <laughs> right? Because yep. again, you want to have that shade underneath the model, accentuate that kind of shadow. It kind of heightens also, pops out the miniature who I'm not, who I don't just like wash in a black wash, right? <laughs> so that's, that's also not a good idea to do that. Usually. Well, it depends on, on the piece parts, but like you got to be careful where you just wash with black. Absolutely. Oh. See, also with the Bases. I find that when you put like the the main tone of say your dirt, because often they're on dirt. That's the most mm -hmm. basic version. Even if they're not on dirt, Easiest. like a smooth concrete surfaces or whatever, just before you start doing the washes, give it a bit of a second tone, because no surface usually has one particular tone. Like even if it's wood, mm -hmm. before you start doing like the wash that adds like the dark color of the lines of the wood or like doing the mm -hmm. lines for the grain, just giving it like extra orange colors or extra yellow colors or yeah. other just. There's usually more than one color going on in the base, especially yeah. with natural things like stone, wood, all that. So I find a lot of people skip that step and it's really a very easy step. You just take a different color of paint you think might be in that base tone, thin it down, maybe add some medium so it's not super thick and then just do some random areas in that. It's not, it's uh, not a difficult step. Or just skip the medium mm -hmm. portion and just smear, like dab it on in, in certain places and, and the then smooth it out. And then yeah. literally once you wash it, it'll kind of blend together. So the thing with the medium is that like the medium gives the paint more body. So it doesn't just run into the recesses. Uh -huh. So when you wash it over the model, like the high points, if you, if you're doing a flat surface, no, you're right. You uh -huh. would a flat surface like wood or like a concrete smooth yeah, surface. Just to be fair, like, it, it is, it is a base. There's a, there's generally going to be a lot of flat surfaces or yeah. relatively flat, easy to paint surfaces, unless you have like the body of a, of an enemy yes. on the base. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking more like sand and like deeper rock that's just more deeply textured that if you want to keep the really thin wash to sort of do a nice glaze on the upper parts of the surfaces rather than just pooling, the medium helps to give you that really thin paint that goes stays on the upper parts. But if you're just painting something flat, yeah, you don't need medium to make the paint work for you that way. Oftentimes they'll just like dry brush it if it's something on the surface, if it's like dirt, just mm -hmm. because it's a lot easier. Like, uh, yeah. We just talked a lot about how important it is to make sure that your base, you know, is like uh, is part of the piece and you treat it like a piece of the actual miniature. And I, I used to not do that. Uh, but at the same time, like I don't want to spend a ton of time on the base. The base is not as fun to me as the models. So I'll often just, you know, just do what you need to do to make it, you know, work with the thing, right? You, you can't just neglect it entirely, but I'm not going to spend as much time on the base as my models. So on the note, and in fact, I spend a very, very small amount of time on the bases, but enough to make it like work. Right. So I, yeah. to me, it's the most shortcuts on the base. I take the most shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's a lot of, like there is a shortcut I intend to take for my frost grave army, which is almost the do nothing option. Of trying to, I haven't done it before, but just to put clear acrylic bases on them because then they fit every mm -hmm. setting. Mm -hmm. But then, as we discussed at the beginning, you're not getting the setting of where these models are located anymore. So you're not getting as 
the composition isn't going to be as good, but they're not going to be painted as well either, which is really the excuse. So I guess I guess the, uh, the the other idea is okay. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk, you brought it up. We got to talk about different types of bases and how they work uh, on the tabletop. So when we talk about composition, you know, this is you know a lot of people will say, yeah, that's great for when you're displaying your miniatures in your glass case or on your on your um, your bookshelf. But the majority of the time, for a lot of people, they'll say, oh, my miniatures. Or I guess not the majority of the time. The majority of time I'm looking at the miniatures is when they're on the tabletop. And when they're on the tabletop, if I painted my like super nice base with like snow and everything, and then I put my model onto the table and the, the terrain of the table is like a verdant fields grass table. And it's not in Canada spring, like right now, <laughs> where there's both verdant grass and and snow. Yeah, there's, there's snow out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's snow and grass, like beautiful grass and snow. Um, grass, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How do you, uh, how are we going to, like, that doesn't make sense, right? That looks bad. So they'll be yeah. like, okay, well, what you should do, like, you know, so some people are like, well, that's why I would want to use something different. Or maybe not even either have a black base, so a generic black base. So even though it doesn't, uh, like the entire point is not to put the model into the setting or like you were just saying in it with a clear base. So what would you say for and against those kind of thoughts? So hmm. I find a lot of, if most of the mats you play on are fairly generic, mm-hmm. like then it's, you try and keep, as long as you don't make your bases too crazy, it usually fits in. Like if you're staying with mm-hmm. neutral colors in your base, it really doesn't make that big of a deal. If you're like, if you're playing, if you make your base brown or dark gray or something like that, mm-hmm. you're not quite as worried about it clashing. If you're going to go for something really adventurous, it's going to matter. But as long as you keep your tones neutral, I find it's not such a big deal unless you do play on like that green grass mat. But as we've moved away from the GW of the 80s, people are no longer just having bright green all over everything. So yeah, just I, I wonder if that, that's the reason why back in the day, everyone just had like an un, like a, just a code. Yeah, they just have a code, right? Unsaid code. Everyone paints their bases green and we always fight on a green felt mat that's the same color. It's all yeah. good. Even though our guys are all wearing skulls and they're like, <laughs> dripping blood, it's like, and to the green field, everybody. Oh, well, yeah, it's because they keep on destroying everywhere they fought, and then they keep on going to the new places that are still beautiful and then fighting over uh, them. Yes. But yeah, I think in the modern age, even like reflected in our fashion, we're no longer like into that. We've now adopted the more drab. I don't know. Neutral. 80s is in, I got to say. Or was in. Maybe it's not in anymore. I don't know. I'm not that into fashion, honestly. Well, at least as far as the game tables go. (laughs) Or, like, just brown, yeah. Neutral mats, and then you'll be fine, usually. I think because people have kind of realized, oh, uh, you know, uh, some, some, some color, they want some sort of board that is, like, a neutral color that makes sense in most of the battlefield. So it's just, like, dirt brown mats because there's lots of places that are dirty kind of grayish brown mm-hmm. uh it, and like you said if there's been a war going on there's less likely a whole bunch of beautiful fields of grass or golden colors of uh straw or whatever uh there's going to be more well i guess in modern day right i guess in the past 
Yeah, so there's going to be a lot more trampled, dirty, brown kind of things. Um, so I feel like that is, and of course, if you fight in a city and it starts getting wrecked up, then it's going to be gray and brown, right? Yep. Once or everything is destroyed. Torn the ground up or your <laughs> yes, exactly. steel high-heeled warriors have trampled it with their high heels. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that's my thought on the matter, that just you know, keep it in mind when you buy your mats. <laughs> you gotta, so now we're talking about more than just your basis. In some ways, the mats you play on are extension of your basis. You've got to make sure that your, your mats or your, the ground, your, your terrain for your battlefield, the, the flat surface, is not too crazy. Or maybe it's an excuse. Well, I absolutely, well, I absolutely bought it. Deep, mm-hmm. To buy more mats like I did? I absolutely yeah, buy did more mats. I match, was thinking to match my army. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the other way around, buy more armies to match your mats that you play on. So yeah, like this is my snow army. And then this is, this is when they're fighting in like the, the, the verdant fields. And then this is like dur- during the grasslands areas. And this is, this is in the cities. So you can buy a whole bunch of different, different miniatures and, and base them. Um, so then how about then um, you talked about clear bases so mm-hmm. some people will be like, oh, well, I know a solution. Why don't I use a clear base? Because then I can, it, it's clear, right? So then I, it'll just blend into whatever piece of uh, terrain or, or terrain areas, right? Even though it doesn't have its own composition on the model in the surrounding yeah. area, it will have it when it's on the tabletop. So Pluses so and minuses. Point, so I think the minus you bring up the most, which is, pretty much the one I'd agree is the biggest minus is that it doesn't have the natural painted like matte texture of everything else. It uh-huh. looks like a mirror. So when you put it on the board, there's all these little shiny things. So it actually looks more like a token than a miniature. Mm. It now has this sheen to it. Yeah. Cause which, all of the, the clear things, all of the clear bases are in general, you know, shiny, right? Cause I guess if you map them, they're not the, the laws anymore, of science. So. Yeah. But, Yes, exactly. But maybe if you mat them, that's like a good medium because even though it's not fully uh, mm-hmm. see-through, yeah. uh, it doesn't stand out as a shiny piece of plastic that everyone is standing on, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's not fully see-through, but there's a little, it's translucent, becomes translucent. And so you can kind of see through mm-hmm. uh, the thing to the the color on the uh, below it, right? So yeah. Without it looking maybe like that's a good glass lying around the, the battlefield. Yeah, exactly. Why is everyone walking on glass? Now it looks like the normal plastic one that a lot of people use. It looks like the everyone that you're running with, like is I don't know, Iceman or something. They've created little <laughs> sheens of of ice wherever they step. You're server, yeah. But if you tra- make it translucent, maybe it'll just kind of it kind of Savvy blends medium, in, maybe. 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 I don't know. I've never tried it. I don't know why people don't do that. Oh, maybe I'll try it. <laughs> yeah, we got to see. We got to see how it looks. Maybe I, I will. I actually bought a whole bunch of uh, see-through plastic um, bases, but actually to use as tokens, right? Because the see-through plastic, then you can draw on them, right? And put them down. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so but maybe I'll turn them into actual bases. Yeah, they come in different thicknesses too. Like you can get them the thicker three millimeter or you can get them the thinner one and a half. I think the thinner is probably the way to go. Mm-hmm. Just so the miniature is not floating quite as high off the ground. Because if they're standing on dirt, like even if your base uh-huh. is really thick, 
they at least look like they're standing on something. But once you put them on a clear base, they now look like they're kind of floating. So you probably yeah. want to go with a thinner version. Yeah, that's the other thing. Because it's translucent all the way to the ground, mm-hmm. uh, it does look like they're floating a bit because you see through and then there's like a, like we, like we said, there's a layer of th- something. So I wonder, maybe, here's another thought about it, is maybe what you should do is you should paint around the, the miniature. So the, the greater base is see-through. But right underneath the miniature, you paint it a bit. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like... So, you know, you just layer on a color of brown or, 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 or black so that it looks, you know, more solid and it doesn't look, but there's a little bit of color that goes through, right? Because it's still yeah. their base. And maybe that would be, make it look less weird. To yeah, me. That's an interesting idea. Maybe airbrush it on yeah. right around the feet. Who knows? Yeah. But on the other hand, the good thing is, you know, it bl- does blend in. Well, the, the, the underneath does look like, I don't know, more like the world that they're standing on. Yeah, but I just like bases. I don't know. I generally like bases more. And yeah. then it looks better in general when you're when it's on a, you know, on your shelf. Yeah, I would say that the only as I said, I plan to do it for my Frosky of Army, but I'm only planning to paint the Frosky of Army with like three different colors used to paint any like three different mixes used to paint any different area. So if you're gonna paint like red, you only get three colors to make red. I, so I really want to try just, that. It's downgraded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to try. I don't know. There was some like, I guess it's just a general challenge of for artists like paint your entire composition in piece, but with only five colors. I th- I don't know if it's five colors and black and white, or just five colors. Yeah, five colors is cooler. So just paint well, like an entire army my, with only five colors. This is my personal challenge to paint the whole thing with any color being done with three steps only so it's, <laughs> three it's obviously steps, like, that's like a speed thing right yeah it's a speed yeah thing. and obviously yeah. it's keeping the quality down which is why i'll accept clear bases for them because <laughs> they're, they're yeah. not meant to compete with the other stuff they're just meant to be done did, did we really so we said a whole bunch of pluses with the the clear translucent one and we said some minuses did we say the pluses or are the so one plus I would say is that if you want to go and mix a whole bunch of different figures together over time, uh-huh. like, if you want, like if you're playing a skirmish board game or something that doesn't have its own miniature line and you just uh-huh. want to pick and choose miniatures from places, no matter what you've painted, if you put it on that clear acrylic base, you put it in your army and now you don't have your verdant field guy clashing with your uh, storm So guy. there's no problem of reba- having to rebase your army if they don't match. Yeah, you don't have your guys' bases clashing when you bring them together. Yeah. Okay. So, I think that, that's a definite plus. Like, okay, I, that's, that's, a, that's an idea. That's a thought. Mm-hmm. Man, man, you're kind of selling me on this uh, clear basis. I've got to try this clear base thing and see if I actually end up liking it. Well, no, I know. I think it's dangerous. This is why I say it's only allowed for low-quality painting. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll end up really, really liking it. The one thing that I don't like about clear bases um, is because is Generally, they're thinner, which is in some ways good, but the other problem is um, you can't use a peg to to connect your miniature onto the base. So it's a lot harder to do that because, like, literally, you see the peg because it's clear. Oh yeah, yeah, but you have to do it though; otherwise, they'll break off. So that's uh, why you're yeah. maybe painting a bit around the foot might be a good idea to hide the peg. So yeah, I think actually that that might oh, maybe. That idea maybe is the best idea, but like that—that that was is a problem when you see it and you're like, well, what? What? You can kind of see the peg, 
Yeah. At certain, not at every angle, but at certain angles, you're able to see the peg, and it just doesn't look yeah. good. Yep. Well, so that's why we, we're. That's why we've concluded this is a lower quality option, but it has its its upsides. Yeah. At the same time, lower quality for like when it's on your shelf or display, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. On the tabletop, the fact that it blends into the surround, it can blend into the surroundings to some people makes it you know higher quality because it doesn't clash with, like we said, with the surroundings, right? So in terms of like being able to see the, the play surface through the clear basis, I think they're much more appropriate for using on mouse pad mats or other flat, completely flat oh, yeah, that's right. mats. Because if, if the model's not sitting flat on it, you're now no longer really going to see because like all the refraction and whatever else, the surface underneath coming through properly. Yep. Whereas if it's a completely flat surface, you put the clear base on it. Yeah, you, can, you see what's underneath really well. And if you've got those sanded boards, which are now becoming less popular, or fully textured boards, they'll yep. start to wear on the bottom of the base. Which, when you've got a plastic one, you don't care. Oh, it scratches it up. When you start scratching up the acrylic, it's now going to stop looking so good. That's true. And then the other thing with the sand boards or or textured boards is um, often the acrylic bases are completely solid discs, which means that it's much more likely if there's like just a a bit of sand underneath the base to make it not sit well. Whereas most, not not most, but a lot of the other bases that are um, like the normal bases, they are hollow in the middle, which means that it it has a little bit more uh, tolerance for uh, uneven ground because- If you've got a little rock sticking up, you can shift your base around so the rock sits in the middle of the base and you're okay. Yep, yep. So do you think we've talked enough about the acrylic bases at this point to be convinced that we're going to give it a try? Yeah, I think so, actually. We kind of of sold me on them. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying them. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely try. So do you want to go back to the most I wonder what army I'll try on it. I'm just thinking, like, (laughs) I have so many armies. I wonder which which army I will try with the acrylic bases. I guess I'll just make one to use with it. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking just my frost grave stuff going forward. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. But the whole game that way. So I think the most common way I see people doing bases is just using the studio's bases they've given you and then putting stuff on top of them. I'd say that's probably yep. the most popular. That's what I do. For most people. Yeah, okay, that's well, what I do. You're popular. I hope we're popular. Okay, that's how I started off as well. That originally, like, you do the most basic thing of just like putting some glue and sand on the top. You still going that yep. route? Okay. No. 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 There's a couple of reasons why. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, and the, sorry, it's just so to keep, to have the sand. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, sand is generally, if you buy it, it's too coarse. Yeah. Because in general, Actually, you're trying to model in general dirt, not sand. So mm-hmm. sand, even in like one-to-one scale, is too coarse. <laughs> I guess you can't tell it's coarse on one-to-one scale. But at that, at one, was one to 55, it's about, is a miniature. Mm-hmm. Sand looks like they're on giant rubble. Like you're, you're on a beach made out of stones as opposed to actual things. So, it's, so that's the problem. So what I end up using is um, is gel mediums. Call it, sorry, is some of the gel mediums. 
I tried a bunch of stuff that's um, that you can buy, like uh, you know, textured kind of textured paints or stuff like that. Oftentimes, again, because they're not necessarily meant to be one to fifty-five scale, which is quite tiny, um, they they don't quite look right. So instead, what I ended up doing, and I think I you know this, I, I found this on the internet, like a lot of people do this now, um, is I use the um, what do you call it? Baking soda. Because it's a fine powder. So you said that you put on super glue first and then apply baking soda into the powder? Yes. Although I didn't say that today, but yeah, I've told you before that that's how I do it. The reason why I use uh, baking uh, super glue instead of what a lot of people use is a mixture of water and uh, white glue is because two reasons. The first reason is getting the texture uh if you if you if you don't have uh the right amount of water and super glue and and the right um not super glue so water and and white glue and then it ends up uh absorbing all of the uh baking soda and looking wrong and almost like it it just absorbs it into like what i don't know what you call it like a bready dough kind of thing right Mm -hmm. and then it'll dry and it'll look weird and the second thing yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is the adhesion? I guess the adhesion is also an issue with white glue onto the the hard plastic. The white glue is yep. not really meant to stick to it that well. Yep. Is that the true. second issue, or do you have another one? Uh, well, that is another issue. That's that's the problem. And the third issue. So that's I guess that could be number two. And the third and most important one is uh, I'm lazy, and my super glue is already next to my model. So I just I just use that glue because I'm like, well, it's here, and I'm gonna smear like, it on and do it. It's just gonna dry out if I don't use it. Exactly. Let the super glue is uh, right next to to my model, and it dries super fast. It's just like super easy. Why would I take out another glue and then I have to mix a paste? That's like way too much pain in the butt. Yeah. So even if it ends up looking better, I'm like, ah, whatever. Who cares? I'll just use for, for the one bottle of glue you use over the years, you do this. It'll take like yeah. five years to use up a bottle of glue. You're like, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For the sake so, of the time, doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I basically that's that's what I do. Yes. Yeah, so it it works really really good. Um, I used I was using it for snow before. You have to be a bit more careful with snow to use it to make snow because um, to make it you know look more powdery and everything like that, you have to mm-hmm. oftentimes. The super glue, if it is too much or whatever, it kind of hardens to look more, a little bit more rough, right? Because pow- powdered snow has to look even more powdery than dirt, right? Yep. Uh, but when I do it for dirt, it's like, it's great. It has like very, very small powder and whatever like that. And it hardens, you know, I can add a lot of super glue and it just hardens and I just dump that shit on and then it'll harden correctly. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it has a small amount of texture, and then I just paint it brown, and it looks great. Very nice. Yeah, I guess the, fast. the other... The fastest the other, is the important part. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, fast is important. I guess the other fast way that a lot of people use are the like gel mediums, which like Vallejo makes lots of them. It's like the sandy paste. There's other crackle ones that look like cracked earth. But you absolutely you want to use... There's coarse ones out there, but you want to use the really fine ones. Yeah, but I don't, also don't want to wait when I'm painting. Pastes. Because oft, oftentimes those pastes take so long to dry, whereas super glue and, and uh, baking soda, literally the baking soda dries out the super glue so fast. 
Okay, well, it's, sometimes it's too fast and it superheats and it can burn you. So not not like really burn you, but be, get really hot. So be careful. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> but it's very fast. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can imagine if you want to paint it. I don't know if I'd want to put my paint a good paintbrush into super glue too quickly and find out. Oh, I don't do. I don't use my paintbrush to paint a super glue. That's crazy. Of course, no, 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 I'm talking your... about. I'm talking about when you go to paint. If you think you're going oh. to paint it right away. So you're saying, well, you could, I'm pretty sure that you could paint over that fine because it's going to have so much grit to it. The paint will stick really well. So I wouldn't, yep, yeah. totally. In that case, I wouldn't be too worried about having to prime over it afterwards. Oh, you definitely like, don't have to prime it. Just like a lot of those, those mediums are made out of acrylic. Yep. And the other mediums, thing. So you yeah. just, they're acrylic. You paint acrylic over yeah. them. And the other thing is it's, it's the base. So you generally, as long as it sticks normally to the, the base, there's not going to be a lot of points where that portion of the base gets touched or stabbed yeah. because of the way, you know, the model is basically protecting anything that's moving towards the model to touch the base. So you don't right. actually have to put as much protection on it. No. So back to the order of doing all this, do you uh-huh. usually paint the entire model first and then start adding the base work? Yes. I know, I, and I, know I do end up running into problems where like technically I should, I've been trying, okay, so, so technically what I've been doing lately, because you end up with the, uh, if, I, if I put the base on afterwards, right? If I add the glue on, when the, the model's on, you do end up with the, everyone is, you know, crunched in an inch into the ground, right? Yes. Um, like relative scale wise, uh, that's what it ends up looking, which is not necessarily terrible, right? It just means that your dirt is a little bit more soft. Um, but lately what I've been doing is I've been taking the model and putting it on the base just for painting and then just making it not gluing, like gluing it strong enough that I can, you know, touch it and do all that kind of stuff. But then I can, but not solidly glued on enough that I can't remove it, then finish the base and then put it back on basically. But what ends up happening still in general is that I just get too lazy and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> still do the same thing. I never remove it before I do yeah. it. Uh, so i used to do more of a variant of that of painting the model on the base than adding the base work afterwards mm-hmm. but i would basically put like shims under their feet to raise them so cut up lots of paper clips and then just stuff it under their feet so that they would be held up off the base and then i could come and add the stuff afterwards oh that's a really good idea that sounds way faster than whatever you're going to say now <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's what I was doing eight years ago. Whatever I'm doing that's now brilliant. is much slower. We'll get that's there. That's totally brilliant. brilliant. Yes. You should have told me this before. I, I'm going to start using that. Eight technique. years ago when I was still doing it yeah. before I quit. <laughs> yeah, the eight year ago technique. Still good, man. Techniques, uh-huh. Good techniques don't age badly. Mm-hmm. They age well, like fine wine. Yeah. So the benefit of doing this and the benefit of doing it the way you do it is that if it's already on the base and you put the base work around it, it's going to look like the feet are actually like in the dirt. Whereas if now I've taken to making the models, like I prefer painting my bases separately uh-huh. because doing dry brushing, you're like throwing the brush around everywhere. You're putting washes on it. I don't want them all over my model. Also like you've got the spots in between their legs that you want to hit with the yeah. dry brush. You don't want the model to be there when you're doing those basing techniques. Yeah. It I often have so to touch up the guy's feet. Yeah. yeah it, it makes it so much faster just to like churn through 50 bases at once without having to worry about there being miniatures on them. You can just like throw the base aside and grab another one. No, yep. Nothing damaged. 
the problem with that or what you've got to watch out for it, and which is why you knew that the, the extra long time involved in doing anything else would be coming, is that if you do make your model, you do make the base, and then you have the model, and then you put the model onto the base, which we'll get into like the techniques for doing that later, uh-huh. if you've got something with a lot of texture to it, it no longer looks like they're, like if you think of you're thinking of walking on dirt, your yeah. feet are going to kind of be depressed into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like your feet won't be on the like highest bit of grass or like the highest little pebble. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you put the guy on top of the base afterwards, then it's kind of, you have the worry they're floating. So, okay, maybe you go back and you try and scratch out some of the stuff, cut some of it out so the foot looks like it's fitting into it. But now you run the risk of like, screwing up everything you've done, which, hey, touching off the base isn't such a big deal as touching off the model, because the base is just a bunch of washers and a bunch of base coating, so it's not that hard to touch yeah. up, you just have to go that route, which is kind of the quickest route. But from my previous armies, like with, huh? if you've got modern stuff, they're gonna be sitting on a flat surface. Yeah, so it's like, not such uh, a big like of a deal. If they're walking through a, on a road or a sidewalk or something like that. Yeah, exactly, it's gonna be flat. So as long as you mount the guy on a flat base and he looks normal walking on the flat flat base, you rip him off that base, put him on the other flat base, you're yeah. good to go. It's when do you, you get do you pre-drill stuff. the holes like with the pegs so that they stay on well, and then test it and then paint the base. So with my previous armies, I've done all flat bases for Infinity since yeah. I moved on from the toothpick technique or just like basically putting the basing on at the same time as the guy. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter when they're on the flat. But then when you come to having textured stuff, for the recent army, I thought about that. I'm like, oh, okay. So what I ended up doing was I ended up painting all the models because I just felt like painting the models. But what I do now, and I have done even with the flat bases, is with the, any of the bases that come with the slot bases, you've got that whole slot piece under them, but you don't want the whole slot piece because now if they're sort of raised up or they've got a dip in between them, that slot thing doesn't make any sense being there. And you're mounting so you're, them you're talking the about you're talking about if the miniature has a slot, right? Because there's a yeah, lot of nice. bases that have um, a long bar, right? That slots into the base. Yep. And that to, meant to very solidly stick them onto the base. But you're saying that's way too big. and Yeah, like a lot of modern miniatures won't have that. Some of them, like Malifaux, don't have it. War Machine has it, 40K has it, Infetti has it. But a lot of the third-party stuff doesn't come uh, a lot like of that. A lot of Games Workshop doesn't have it anymore. It's only for the ones that come with the bases because they're supposed to slot in. But okay. a lot, actually, even those often don't. They they use a peg to to attach to the base. So they've yeah. kind of moved away from slots. Yeah. So what I found is best is to make the miniature so you've got pegs coming to the feet before you paint them. Because if you try and add the pegs afterwards or try and drill in the feet afterwards, mm-hmm. you're gonna fuck up your painting because you're doing something pretty aggressive to the miniature and you're applying a lot of force to the miniature to do it. Yep. Yep. So with metal miniatures, I find turning that slot piece that comes down, uh-huh. I just clip it off and then turn the part under the foot into a peg by just uh-huh. clipping it into sort of a circular shape then taking pliers and uh-huh. just crushing it until uh-huh. it's a circular shape. Yeah. And then I just go and take a full-size drill and drill holes into a base and then just mount that through. But I don't glue, oh, wow. I don't glue around the peg itself. I only glue the base of their feet so that I can then snap it off really easily afterwards because if you try and if you do glue around that peg, the peg's not that tough. So if you try and take the miniature off your temporary base, you will rip the peg right off the miniature because it's just Possible a small. To do it. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, or if you, you basically told me this idea before, and it was such a good thing because like before when I had the slots, I would often just cut off the entire thing, 
or just have a, a, a tiny thing. But making it a round peg, actually, mm-hmm. it's even better than a square peg because obviously round pegs are much easier to shove into a base, right? Because you kind of just- your drills drill round holes. So you yeah, want they round drill, shape. Exactly. Yeah. And then you don't have to, you can, you know, push it in, you know, it's like it, could, it has some, some give and room all the way around the, around the, the circle. So it, it like works so well. The, you can kind of twist yeah, you can it. Twist it. You don't actually need it on you both can. feet, I find. Like if the mentor's really- Oh yeah, definitely on, only on one foot because then it's so much easier. You can even position it differently on the base as you need, right? You can rotate it if, if, like if the initial layout wasn't as good. So thank you for that technique. That was a really good yeah. one. And if something does happen to the peg, you can always, or if the feet just aren't made for it, you can always just drill into the bottom with your, your pin vise and then put uh-huh. the tooth, put the paper clip into it, which is, it's much, it is more work to drill into the foot and then put the paper clip in and everything else. Yeah. So I find it's much easier just to cut the base until it turns into it. Yeah, I used to do that for things that I worried a little bit more about. But after using, you know, with, with the slots, now mm-hmm. I find that, like, I'm glad they have the slot because then I can just turn it into the peg, like you're saying, and then just put it in. So much easier. It was such yeah. a brilliant idea. You have lots yeah. of good ideas. Good thing, you, the good thing there's a podcast you can disseminate them to, you know, our, uh-huh. our, our listeners, you and C- me, C- and, like, three C- of, of our friends. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so you can get eight years into the future. Yeah. So as I was saying, with flat bases, this works like really easily because you're going from flat to flat. But when yep. you go to textured, I haven't done that ever before with this technique. But I found you gotta uh, use that shim, man. Sorry, something cut out a bit. Uh, say it one more oh. time. So I haven't done the peg technique with textured heavily textured and uneven bases before uh-huh. so this time i painted the miniatures first just because i wanted to do that first and i hadn't yeah. even ordered the bases yet uh-huh. but i knew what generally what i'd be doing so uh-huh. after i painted the guys i basically snapped them off their bases and i'd already bought the bases for them so i just lined them up with where i want them to go on the base then drilled the holes into the base for them and then sort of mm-hmm. temporarily fit them in and then you can see where the foot sort of sticking up unnaturally. And at this uh, stage, the base isn't painted. So you can kind of just carve it away or add more stuff to it. If their feet aren't uh, yeah. sitting evenly and they're kind of like yeah. tilted off the side drunkenly, like, okay, yeah. this foot needs some more stuff, basing material put under it. So you can kind of modify yeah. the base before it's painted. And then you don't mount them in it. You just sort of fit them into the holes you've drilled. And if you're, you've got to uh, drill that hole for the peg, and that's yeah. also a really aggressive thing to have to do because you want a power drill for it. It's a pretty, pretty big hole. You don't want to be doing this by hand. You, take well, the you can you can do it with a, the pin vise. If you've got a pin vise, you can do it the, Like the hand vise? If you're only doing a couple of ones, yeah, it's not worth it. It, it also it. depends on what your base is made out of, right? Yes. If it, if it's if it's one of the if you're just using a slot base and then you are modifying it using mm-hmm. some of the techniques we talked about or whatever kind of thing, right? You're adding yeah. stuff onto it. Slot base is like very thin plastic. It's pretty easy to drill through. It takes like yeah, a, a couple twists by hand. Like you can even buy the drill bits that have hex bottoms on them Uh so that it's not just this thin little eighth of an inch thick thing. It's got the hexagon piece on the bottom. It fits better into screwdrivers. So you can actually use those by hand. Little drill bits. So I don't even like put them in the drill. You just take this drill bit, has the hexagon thing, it's big enough to get a grip on, and you just use it as a hand drill. Because as you said, the slot bases are super thin. You can go right through them without the drill bit even being in a pin vise or anything else. Yeah. 
But then you're talking about solid bases if you order them from like a company that's a resin base or something like that. Usually it's, it's almost always resin, but yeah. Yeah, we can get back to resin bases after, but these are resin bases. Yeah. But basically you position the guy on it. You're like, okay, this foot's a little high. You carve away a bit before you've painted it. Once they fit nicely, you take them off, put the miniature back away, and then you prime all the bases up and paint them. Oh, and make sure to label the bottom of the base because you need oh, to know yes. which one is which. So if you've got an army with a lot of generic guys, maybe you want to take like a photograph of it or something, uh-huh. but you need some way to label the whole thing. Don't forget to label them. <laughs> yeah, that's good, good advice. So we, we did talk about clear bases a whole bunch. We talked about the normal bases and, and if you're using the slaughter bases, have a good, I, I guess the techniques we use for modern flocking of slaughter bases, like just normal, mm-hmm. the normal whatever bases that usually come with a miniature. Uh, how about the fancy bases that you kind of mentioned? The resin bases. You go out there, you're like, oh, I have these, I bought these, I spent all this money on these beautiful miniatures. I okay. want bases to match. So I'm going to spend a lot of money on bases as well. I did what? do that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and which ones did you get? And where do, you, where do you go? What do you like? That kind of stuff. So there's a big difference in quality in resin bases. Uh-huh. The, some of them will look like garbage and you can do better yourself. But there's a really wide, I think it mostly comes down to what you want, like what location do you want your guys to be in? That's pretty yeah. much the determining factor. Like the quality is probably uh-huh. not the determining factor. It's okay, where is this guy set? And you don't necessarily have to buy like the same base for everybody. You don't want the same base. As often with the resin bases, you'll get maybe five variants for your like small bases and two variants for some of the bigger ones. Uh-huh. So you may want to really use some from different lines. Uh-huh. The ones I bought were from Warsenal. Yep. which offer infinity size bases. You get your 25 millimeters, your 40, your 55. Yep. Yep. But it, it depends on the size of the bases you need. Yep. And so I bought them from two different lines. But as long as you paint them in the same color scheme and they're somewhat similar, they're going to look mm-hmm. like they're from the same place. Yeah, and then generally when they make the bases, there's going to be a certain number of ones because that are common, right? You're going to have the forest one because a lot of miniature games, you know, you're fighting monsters or something like that in the forest, so that's pretty common. Uh, the city, obviously, the ruined city, or just a futuristic city, if it's like super sci-fi, flashy, uh, cyberpunk, or uh, like Infinity, or you'd have the uh, sand base for the desert kind of people, or the dirt base, basically, yeah. which is the generic one, which, honestly, if you're doing a dirt base, you, you should probably just do it yourself. It's the yeah, on, that we, we on that about. note, because obviously, what, as you said, what's the point in just buying dirt base so often when the resin manufacturing people who make resin bases design something they're gonna make it more ornate which is cool for a few guys but if your yeah, whole army your heroes is most or, or yeah, exactly that's usually where you want to use them your whole yeah. army doesn't need to be in the most ornate forest imaginable most of the dirt just looks like dirt it doesn't have like frogs everywhere it doesn't have twisty vines everywhere like you that's get a true. few of the twisty crazy bases uh, mix it in with some of your own creations or cut them apart and use the parts in different spots to make more yeah. variants yeah. yeah, like like you're saying, it's often not worth using them everywhere. Yeah, I do like uh, a lot of the, just like the extra pieces that, that you can buy to uh, spruce up a normal base, right? So oftentimes there's like little pieces, like you said, like tiny frogs or little random creatures or wood logs or, or, skulls. or a piece of whatever. Just skulls. Uh-huh. Or skulls, yeah, random skulls littered everywhere. Uh, that's the kind of thing that I generally like more because then, you, like like we talked about, we can you can kind of blend that in and spruce up just enough 
a couple of miniatures along with your normally created whatever your your uh, texture bases that you created right so on that note just, i don't know if anybody cares about our projects that much but i bought a bunch of resin bases for my crix army a while ago uh -huh. but that crix army well it was actually a repaint of the crix army it never got finished but instead i just took a bunch of the resin bases cut them into bits which is very hard to do oh and when you work with resin often you're going to have to sort of file the edges because it doesn't come out of the mold perfectly. And when you drill the holes, you're going to create a lot of dust. You want to wear a mask when you do that, just as a it's very, safety very fine, warning. Yeah. As a safety warning to people out there, your body doesn't know what to do with plastic that ends up as fine dust inside of it. So just wear a mask when you're working with resin. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not fun to wear masks, but especially when you're inside. Yeah. You do that when you work with resin. Oh, so also you when you're painting with an airbrush. I know a lot of people don't do that. That's really bad because you're you're particleizing the paint drops, and again, it's acrylic. That's literally like very very tiny pieces of plastic that, that you're now breathing in. It's the same kind of yeah. issues. Yeah, same thing with spray primer. Like the, after the one time I ended up coughing up spray primer, I'm like, but I was outside. Why? Why? <laughs> I never never did it again without a respirator. Yep. If you want to learn from me and us, just, yep. just wear the respirator. Don't damage your lungs like us. Be a little bit better for you. Da if you're going to damage yourself, do it with like drugs or something. At least you get a benefit from fun. it. You yeah. get a high. No, more <laughs> exciting than your miniature hobby. Yeah. So back to the resin stuff. That I actually salvaged. I cut a bunch of the resin bases and just put the parts of them. So I used them for my Frostgrave army. So I put the Frostgrave models, some of them, onto these like ornate pieces from the resin bases and then yeah. that will go on the acrylic. So the acrylic yeah, so it, but, then yeah. be, but then there'll be some scenery elements on it yeah. or they'll look like they're standing on something, but then it'll be on the acrylic. So I'll have to see how that turns out. But I think yeah, it'll be a sort be of good. interesting, it'll be an interesting mix. But obviously you do that for your more important, like your leaders, your yeah. like super barbarian. They're on the, yeah. they get the Yeah, maybe we'll all, well, when we're doing our, our gaming minis, we won't even, we'll, we'll, we'll just switch to plastic, plastic painted mixes for all of our stuff. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Once I see your army, uh, you know what? I'm probably just going to do it anyways. I have so many minis. I'm just going to choose whatever line I'm going to do with this new clear plastic uh, painted fusion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with the resin, I think the biggest thing is just don't make sure it becomes too repetitive because I see people falling for that trap. They'll buy, they'll buy that range of bases, but then they're like, oh, I need to have 50 guys for the same base and they just won't. It won't look very good because it doesn't make any sense. It's it's the same terrain on every single base. Yeah. Yeah. But just like do something to modify it or just mix yeah. some lines and then it'll yep. look more natural. Yep. Um, and one other you, thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, cool. I don't know. I was asking for your other thing basically. Oh, okay. So one thing that I also wanted to mention is um, – Partially why I like using the uh, slaughter base, the slaughter bases that you get is because they're hollow in the middle. And the reason why is because I put washers underneath mm -hmm. so that I can have, I, they can be magnetized. So basically the way I do magnets is, uh, you know, so a lot of people- down to your, This comes down to your transportation methods. Yeah, so we talked about transportation before, but basically um, the way I do transportation uh, is I don't use, I don't put magnets underneath the actual base, which I think is like a terrible idea. 
uh, because now your like miniatures will accidentally like snap to any kind of metal that they walk there on top of, which maybe it's fine. But what I do is I end up putting a washer underneath the miniature. Uh, in addition to giving it a little bit of weight, uh, you, you basically put it on a piece of metal, which means that for whatever, uh, for so I don't put the magnet so I can basically put the magnets on my carrying case and so when I take it off the carrying case it's no longer magnetized right it's just a miniature like every any other miniature except the, the bottom is metal so, so you have so you have an electromagnet in your case and you just turn off the switch and then all the minis can get pulled out with no effort is this is this your next case uh that sounds a terrible idea because if the battery goes off <laughs> but. Uh, what I oh, end up doing is I basically have the rare, rare earth magnets, and instead of attaching them to the miniature, I have them. I I have a metal case, or I actually put on washers to my carrying case, like giant washers. And then I put the magnet in between, and then I put the the miniature on top. And so that mm -hmm. way, I still have the magnets. Like everything is magnetized, but uh, I it can be a lot more uh, free form in terms of mm -hmm. how the magnets are magnetized to the base. Yeah. Yeah, so the resin bases I bought actually have holes in them for putting magnets, the ones that came from Morsenal. The holes aren't that well formed, so you probably have to clean them up, but like the option's there for some of the resin bases too to put Yeah, the issue is, it's, yeah, so putting the magnets into the base, but then usually that's just a small hole for the magnet. Whereas the, the clear slaughter base, I use tiny washers, right? Um, but that's way bigger than any magnet you would use. Well, maybe it's the size of the really big magnets, but the really big magnets are too big for a normal miniature because uh Worse they're too strong. To pull it off it's too hot yeah yeah yeah, rip the, yeah exactly rip the leg apart before you get it off yeah exactly sometimes you can break the metal when you're trying it so um but it's too big so just having the empty space allows me to put that tiny washer uh into the base more easily like I, sometimes i have to cut up a little bit from the slot in the middle but it's easy like we said the the those are are uh uh easy to cut right and so to me, that's the easiest thing to do going through it. Uh, yep. So there's one other thing that's more recently become popular yeah, that works with the, the regular bases, the slaughter bases. Yep. Well, they're not going to be slaughtered anymore. What? I, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna I was going to mention what you're about to say. Go for Is it. Is it toppers? Oh, no. But oh, similar. Okay. Yeah, so I think, so now that I've actually thought about it, I've never, no, I have used topping things before. Because uh -huh. it's much easier than selling you the entire base. They can just sell uh -huh. you this circle that goes on top of the yep. base that has yep. various, sometimes there's fully 3D ones, like Malifaux has completely metal ones they put on top of the bases. Some uh -huh. of them are just cut acrylic with like one layer, maybe multiple layers. Yeah. But they're really, they're often on the much cheaper end of things. Yeah, um, less plastic, I right? I don't really like the look of them, so I've never used them. <laughs> it actually, like I've made bases like them by mm -hmm. putting a thin, thin surface on top of your base isn't anything unusual because something like that, that I've done before is there's textured plastic card out there, yep. which comes in lots of textures and is also insanely cheap if you're going to do a whole army because the sheets usually come in a seven by 12 size. Yep. So you can think of how many circles you can cut out of that yep. and you can make them into custom shapes. That's so right. So you can, hole punch won't get you every size you want. So I don't suggest buying one, even though I have one, but <laughs> you can basically is, yeah. buy like a pack of a textured plastic card and make whatever you want out of them. Yep. Whether it's like Basically, tiles, yep. whether it's stone, some stonework. Yeah. Yep. All of this textured plastic card, you just put it on top. You just cut it roughly, put it on top, and then it's very easy to just follow along the base using the base as basically the, what do you call it? The 
the actual actual base is basically the rim, and then you just cut all along the base to to make it work well, work nicely. The textured plastic card is usually so thin that yeah. you can cut it with scissors. So you just draw a circle on the back side of the textured plastic card because the back side's usually flat. Yeah, you cut it with some scissors. Oh, what I often find is you. Try no, and cut I just mean bit. like when you're actually doing it, don't you don't want to cut too close, right? You want to live a leave give around yep. the base so that when you put we'll it on, you can clean it up. Yeah, yeah leave a little extra so you can clean it up afterwards. We'll and it's very fairly that. easy because you can just yep. trace the, the base. Exactly. And then sometimes because the texture to it, if it has really deep grooves, sometimes yeah. you'll end up with a bit of gaps between the underside of the textured plastic card and the base. So you just kind of fill that in with some green stuff. It's not, mm-hmm. not a big deal before you prime it. But that's also a very affordable method that I've used before. But I actually used it for modifying resin bases. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... There's so many ways that you don't have to buy the fully resin one, but of course the, the like the fully modeled resin what base is attached is easy. It's faster. If you want to do that, you can do that. But to me, I find just working on the bases. If if I actually right spend time on them, it's fun because it's like a little mini terrain project. Yeah, it's like it's like a you know like a what one inch terrain project or one one and a bit inch terrain project. Yes, yeah, so the recent resin bases. Actually, like the four, doing... 40 millimeter bases. Sorry, uh, uh, the 40 millimeter bases for them because it's a little bit more room to do your little tiny terrain project. A little tough to grass here, and maybe you have your sidewalk curb here, and got some sand over here, and then maybe there's some weird, I don't know, trash or, or like a little, I don't know, great weird robotic thing if it's sci fi. Yeah, like pop cans and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, if you've got, when they come in resin, you'll often get more complicated stuff like that, but you can put put newspapers, all sorts of crazy stuff. See on the forties, you can get a lot of character going on in. Yep. Okay. Maybe, maybe I can guess at the next one you were going to mention the green stuff rollers. Yes. That's okay. I got it. There we go. So you have used that. I have not used that before. So there are, to be fair, there are, they can be a bit finicky. Mm -hmm. So basically a green stuff roller is, um, it's this thing from Green Stuff World. It's basically a rolling pin. It's like a very tiny rolling pin, about six inches. And the rolling pin has a, um, repeating a texture. texture a texture on it cut out so that you can just roll it across and it'll, it's like a continuous texture. Yes. And when you roll it into to Green Stuff or, or something or whatever, actually, whatever you roll it on, uh, it'll leave an imprint, a design that you would want on your base. So it's, so basically the idea is instead of having to buy like um, plastic card, right. For every single one of your things, you use something that you always have green stuff, right. Yeah. Hopefully you'll have green stuff. If you're working on miniatures to fill gaps and stuff like that. You put it onto your base or your bases and then you roll the thing uh, on the green stuff and it'll leave an imprint onto the green stuff. Yes, you can get a much deeper texture than you could get from using just pre-made plastic card. Yes, and it can't be as crazy and it can come with resin, but it, it's pretty detailed. It's pretty good, honestly. And because it's like a six-inch thing, like any kind of base that you have is not going to use the whole thing, right? So by taking different parts of the roller or using different parts of the roller, it'll be a slightly different uh, look on your basis, and so you have the variety, right? Because what is it, six inches and around, it's like, it's, it's like you have texture, like unique texture for a six inch by, I don't know, six inch. I don't know what the, it's like about an it's inch width. Not, circumference not quite that big. Circumference, circumference is, might be like a bit less than two. What's that? Circumference Sorry? might be a bit less than two inches. Okay, sure, yeah. So 
Yeah. So yeah. So maybe it's six by 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 two inches or something like that of texture. Then you can kind of like push it around, right? Uh, depending on on how you do it, it's going to look different on the base. The issue that I found is making sure the roller doesn't stick to the green stuff and making sure it's super flat. So you've got to wet down the green stuff really, the top surface of the green stuff really well before you do it? Uh, yeah. So I tried, a lot of people were saying like use oil or something. That was like a spectacular failure when I tried mm. that. I don't know. I must be doing it wrong. But yeah. like if I oiled it up, it would work you fine for the Pam first on one. The roller? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, maybe Pam. Maybe that would work. Because you spray it on so it gets in the grooves. Because the grooves are what I would worry about tearing up the green stuff. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is with the roller, you want to do a whole bunch of bases at one time. And so... Yeah, that's fine. So you got to spray it. you got to keep spraying yeah. it down. Seems yeah, gross. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah, it was gross. Uh, and the problem is uh, if it's... If you sprayed it down and you roll it and it messes... Like it, it lifts for some reason, like... You now have oil in your green stuff. What the hell are you going to do now? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you better get it right on the first try so with water you can kind of you know just wait for the water to evaporate a little bit and try it again blow it off um, and try again yeah yeah so but it's more likely to stick right so mm -hmm. those are the two things i i have not yet been competent enough like i mentioned to get it to work but i'm like this definitely if, if i was good enough i feel like this would be really really useful quick cheap right you have green stuff everywhere just to roll out a whole bunch of bases and then move on so yeah, I've seen lots of people at the game store get good results from it. Yeah, but not me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on it. Still working on it. The other thing is the it's cut uh, using like etched into the the so the the roller is like a a big piece of plastic, and then it's etched using some sort of printing thing. Um, oh, okay. yeah. But the etching yeah. is not uh, super fine, so there's a little bit of texture on the roll. Like there's a little bit of lining texture from the fact that the cut, the cutting wasn't uh, super fine. Oh, so it seems like they did a 3D print of it and then molded, but like the 3D print was never. It kind of, but it's the opposite. It. It's the opposite. It's the etching basically is, is not, it's like etched, but not super smooth. I guess it's harder mm -hmm. to do because it's round, right? So you can't just yeah. keep on going over to make it smooth. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's like some, there's, there's a little bit of lining, but like, Again, it's a texture, and I, I used it for like a bunch of stones, so I just kind of smoothed it out afterwards. It was fine. But yeah, that's basically that's basically it. It was it's an interesting thing. Although maybe yeah. maybe plastic, like just buying giant sheets of textured card, is probably faster and maybe even cheaper because green stuff is not exactly super cheap. Yeah, if you want more like the foresty style bases where there's more depth to the texture, then yeah, the green stuff rollers make sense. But if you're going for a flat surface. You're probably yeah. better off, like some sort of sci-fi floor that you're probably better off going with the plastic hard root. Well, the thing with the, the rollers is some of them are really ornate. There's like this really fancy one that's like Egyptian. So you have like Egyptian hieroglyphics. It looks, or, or like uh, another one that look, I think it's what, like, uh, what do you call it? Celtic runes. Yeah. It, it looks really sweet, honestly. Nice. And it can, it's cool. quite deep. So, so for your like fantasy, your, your high fantasy kind of look where, where you know, olden palaces where or maybe not olden but like where everyone is in this beautiful uh fantasy palace uh, a lot of those rollers work really well or you can even make like pieces to add to bases 
All right. So anything we missed, we could, well, we talked a bit about like making the bases yourself by just putting like, Oh, we talked a lot about making down. the bases by yourself. Yeah. You either use the gel mediums, you put sand or baking soda into yeah. some form of glue. Yeah. What I often find people fall into a trap of is the cork, the cork. Oh, uh, cork I mean, is, it's a good additive to spruce yeah. things up. But like, I don't know why some people are obsessed with, I guess it's cause it's, I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. You, you go on about cork. What were you going to say about cork? So I had to look this up. There's something called the effort heuristic where okay. people are like, you'll understand it innately, but have you heard of the term before? I had to look it up. No, to I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it before. So it's that people think that the more, it's basically people equating that the more effort that's put into something, the better it must be. Like instinctively you think, okay, if I've got this dirty dish, the harder I clean it, mm-hmm. the better a job I'm going to do. Just instinctually you think, okay, the more effort I put in, the yeah. better I've done. Which they, so this effort heuristic, if you're applying it to doing basing, you're like, I put more shit on the basing. There's three layers of cork. Three layers is better than one layer of cork, right? I've yeah. done more. I must have done good, right? Oh my God. So it kind of, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's somewhat, I don't somewhat like due it's to the part size. Of psych- it's part of our psychology. Yeah. It's like psychology. now, now this cork Yeah, Now I see what you're saying. So like a lot of people will do multiple layers of cork and you're like, yeah, the third layer of cork was excessive. <laughs> yeah. At that point you're like, are you, jo- are you making this a joke? yeah is this a space breed with like a bajillion power swords slung on his back and like tons of guns inside whatever yeah, but yeah. i believe it i believe people's overuse of cork may be as a result of the yeah they, they feel like maybe the hero if he's standing on i don't know a precipice that's five layers of cork high <laughs> then he must be extra heroic and look extra good it really lo- yeah. then ends up just looking like he's kind of stuck himself he's stuck on a on the top of a some sort of pillar the climb the tree and can't get down yes exactly yeah. it's like someone help me especially if his arms are up <laughs> like a lot of heroes are mm-hmm. shouting someone save me so, yeah. yeah like you're saying the cork's a good tool because real rock weighs a crap load and it's not uh-huh. quite fun to put guys on yeah and if you like bash your rock base miniature into another base miniature the rock will just like chip the crap out of them whereas the cork yeah. is actually kind of soft and it's light yep. it's good in that way i actually so like you- just like ripping off little pieces of cork and putting them on top of the base before you add yes. the texture because the cork that you use is flat on one side but if you rip yes. a piece out the top will not be flat the part that was ripped but the part the bottom or i guess that would be the top whatever the piece there's a portion that's flat goes easily on your base and then you the surface. Your stuff surface. Yeah. 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 So it's easy to, to put on. looks good. And it's soft. So easy and light. Yeah. Yep. It's good. Good for rocks. Yep. Rather than real rocks. And if the guy's going to be standing on it, maybe rip the cork up a little more, maybe rip the top up. Who knows? Or angle yeah. it a bit. Cause not every rock is perfectly flat. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, for those people out there who go too crazy with that, just they, they should know. Yeah. What colors do you use for your base? I guess that's one last thing in general. So as, I, as I said, I usually try and just do desaturated versions yeah. of what's on the model. Is there a go-to color you use? I'll tell you mine is, shoot, what's the name? Charred Brown. It's a Vallejo game color. 
I yeah. use charred brown as like a bit, it's like a dark, it's a dark brown. And I basically mm-hmm. use that for all the dirt. And then I add purples, I add blacks, I add whatever kind of colors, blues, whatever the hell I want. So that sounds like, like you're starting at a darker color and then just like working your way up. I usually start at more of a mid-tone uh-huh. and then just wash it down more heavily. So I usually start a little, a little lighter and just do yeah. more washes. What color do you usually use? Oh, there's, there's nothing in particular. Uh, it's always my different. two colors for bases that I like, I'm just like, Oh, I know this will work. Cause it's not too, it's not too saturated and it's just easy and it's quick. So charred Brown generally for dirt cause it's Brown. Uh, and then I always use charcoal. Is it charcoal black or, or charcoal gray? It's a Vallejo solid foundation color. And I actually use that for, I think we didn't actually talk about this, the base edges. So when you paint a model, like you have a base that is modeled, right? Not the clear ones. The rim around the base, you know, a lot of people just, you know, you, you, you have to paint that as well. Like if it's just solid black, it actually doesn't look good. So what I end up doing is I, I paint that black, but I don't paint it black, black because black, it's too, black, black, black stands out too much. So I ended up paint, painted charcoal gray. So it kind of fuses in around to the area around it. Yeah. I found I had to use really matte black because if you use anything yeah. that has too much shine to it with black, it yeah. looks really unnatural probably because the same yeah, thing we talked totally. about with the acrylic bases. Yeah. If you're going to go black, go nice and matte. Yeah. That, like charcoal gray is literally a gray, right? It's a dark, it's a really dark gray that technically looks like black depending on what, what's around it. But yeah. I find it like it's, it's a good color. Yeah, if you're asking about good colors, I've done a lot of like sand bases. I don't even know why I've done so many sand bases, uh-huh. but I use a lot of Vallejo dark sand in that just because it's, it's just a good, they have a lot of sand colors. And that sand <laughs> yeah, color yeah like that makes sense. Line. It's made for painting like army stuff and whatever, right? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Uh, I think that's that's been... I was wondering if we could we could spend a whole uh, podcast on just talking about bases, but apparently we're over an hour in, and oh, we wow. could probably go for another. <laughs> for we more, become so. more esoteric, but I think we've covered the yeah the, the main things. essentials. Yeah, we didn't even talk learned. about diorama bases, but let's not do that. No, that's, <laughs> that could be for another day. Different, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, if you guys, uh, you, you listeners uh, found it uh, this interesting, if you, if you learned anything or if you have super cool techniques or, or, or things that you use for uh, bases, uh, why don't you give us a shout? Go find us on Facebook or uh, send us an email at yeah, contact us or everything or something. I don't even know. Yeah, check out the website. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So uh, this has been Alan. It's for Brandon. All right, one more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us. Or just get in touch with us. At Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. All right. Bye.